2: The numbers
3: told the story, they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on Visa. one of those idiots who believe in analytics.
2: Good Friday morning, is a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa F, Fubo, Sling Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV, all proudly brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. Gil Alexander, Jeff Parlay here as well. Jeffrey, anything happened yesterday in the news that we should know about? Anything? Any sport? No? Conference games are very interesting now in the Big Ten. It it is what a day of sports news. We will talk college football with Chris Felica, the bear from ESPN's college game day. He will join us not only to talk about the huge news that will change the landscape of college football, perhaps forever. Uh, We'll talk to him about that. We will also get three more season win totals from Chris as well. While we have him here, might as well talk some betting. It is a bit of an underfest today. Three unders. In terms of the season win totals, but we'll talk to him about the, uh, the big shift. The Are we allowed to say seismic shift again uh, from USC and UCLA on their way to the Big Ten as of 2024? We'll talk to him about that. Uh, Vinny Maliulo always on a Friday. We'll talk to Jason Weingarten from under a cloud of smoke. Uh, but we, we begin with the biggest news of the day. Well, actually, let's do the tennis. we got to get the tennis out of the way. Wimbledon, uh, for those who ask, at beating the book. And we put this in the newsletter. I give these out overnight to anybody who wants them. We had two plays in tennis uh, during the fortnight. That is Wimbledon, tennis's third major the grass, of course, major uh, at the, uh, at the all England club there in London. We already had a winner this morning, Julian uh, Niemeyer. Uh, she took down, Leslie at Serenco. We were on Serenco uh, yesterday or the day before, I believe it was the day before. We got a win there. Now we faded her. We got a win with Niemeyer. So In what has been a choppy first week at Wimbledon, where we're just kind of spinning our wheels, Um, but right, what are we, less than two units down here in the first five days? Um, We have one more play today. Over 37.5 games on Carlitos Alcaraz, Charlie Alcaraz against Oscar Ote. Uh, Some people were asking, would I play over 38.5? That's where it moved to. I would as well. So that's a little later on this morning. Alcaraz, Ote, over The only one remaining as we try to get a clean sheet on this Friday at Wimbledon. Now, of course, the biggest news, once we get that out of the way. Biggest news yesterday, NBA free agency beginning. And so everybody was ready for that. But then, well, in the morning, something that we talked about Tuesday actually came to pass. Here's us uh, real briefly Tuesday morning. So Kyrie is staying. Now, it is assumed, you know what they say about assuming, again, might cause you to regret something, to regret uh, that KD will stay now because his buddy Kyrie is staying, which is what KD probably wanted all along. But I don't know, would it be a th- would it be completely shocking if KD later today was like, you know what, I've had enough of this, I'm out of here, and enough of this and out of here he was. That's exactly what happened. KD was like, I'm done with this, and so with that news and with the knowledge the reporting Adrian Wojnarowski the first on this with the knowledge that KD also was focused in on Phoenix and Miami as his preferred destinations so the two-time NBA champion Kevin Durant two-time finals MVP says I've had enough of uh, Brooklyn wants to go to Phoenix and Miami and here's the real the, the real difference in his situation as opposed to sort of anybody else who's ever done this, requesting a trade. He's got four years and a no-trade, a no-trade clause on his contract. So not only are you getting one of the greatest players of all time, but you're getting him for four years. He's 34 years old, KD. In his prime still, tail end perhaps of his prime, but in his prime, obviously coming off major injury in the Achilles, but we've seen nothing in his game for us to think that there's any drop-off at this point. Three, four years down the road, maybe a different story. So with the knowledge that, that the Suns and, and Heat were his first choices, immediately sportsbooks reacted to making, you know, dropping the Suns to win the NBA title, changing the Heat's number into single digits. But really it was sort of a, a knee-jerk reaction to... What may not actually transpire right now, here it is at BetMGM, Sun, Suns plus 550 with that news. Bucks, who made some moves, which we'll talk about later, 6 to 1. Celtics plus 650. Defending champion, Dubs plus 650. Clippers, who do have John Wall now, plus 650. And there are your Heat, the aforementioned Heat, at 9 to 1. But here's the thing. And by the way, great job done by Bobby Marks over at ESPN. Can we give Bobby Marks a shout out yesterday? He was great. Uh, ESPN's NBA front office insider. Who did such a great job breaking down what teams might, you know, could or could possibly not offer in a prospective KD trade? And remember, all this—the the biggest comp to this is Paul George went from OKC to the Clippers for five first rounders, two pick swaps, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and Danilo Gallinari. That in the in the OKC Clippers trade a few years back. This. Not only could, but should exceed that. But let's talk about Phoenix and and Miami and those moves in in the betting market. Well, here's the thing. If you're Brooklyn, your first reaction would be like, well, we want Devin Booker back in this trade. Well, the Suns were expected to and did sign Devin Booker to a Supermax extension. And so he is ineligible for this trade. That can't happen. So if you're Brooklyn, they are under no obligation to meet KD's preferred destinations in this trade. They're going to make it work for them. And so if you're the Suns, what can you really offer? You can offer DeAndre Ayton to sign a trade, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson. They do have all their draft picks. But remember, the DeAndre Ayton thing is, the Nets just signed Nick Claxton to a deal. So if you're the Brooklyn Nets... And, Jeff, I'll point this to you. If you're the Brooklyn Nets, do you want that package from the Suns? I don't. No, I,
3: I definitely don't want that package from the, Sun and the Suns. And I like DeAndre. A. Yeah. And I like Mikhail Bridges. But that's not good enough for Kevin Durant. And, by the way, Gil, he does not have a no trade here. That's what makes this so interesting. That's what I said at the top. Yeah. No, no, no trade. No, no trade. So, the Nets don't have to send him where he wants to go. They can do whatever they want. Gil, I want to throw this out, out at you because I, yesterday the, the NBA trade machine became a fun thing for everybody. The one thing, and this wasn't one, I, I think it was either, I think it was Zach Lowe who wrote it yesterday at ESPN.
2: If you're the Nets, don't you call up New Orleans? Well, hold on. You're getting way ahead of ourselves. We're doing this in a linear fashion. Oh, okay, all like, right. We go through I'll, this. We'll we go I'll through this. Get in, to mine we'll, in a little we're bit. Getting yeah. Yeah. We're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. The other team that KD... Mentioned was the Miami Heat. Now the Miami Heat, and again, shout out to Bobby Marks on this. You're like, okay, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, we just talked about Phoenix as one of his preferred destinations. Why that might not be, you know, sexy enough for the Brooklyn Nets? What about Miami? Well, they cannot, as currently constituted, cannot include Bam Adebayo. The Heat could not include Bam Adebayo in a prospective deal because of something called the designated rookie extension. Ben Simmons signed one of those when he was with Philadelphia. You can have two of those designated players on your roster. You just can't have them via trade. You can't have more than one via trade, which Ben Simmons already traded to Brooklyn. So you couldn't do it with Bam Autobio. If Bam Autobio was going to come over in a deal, then they would have to get rid of Ben Simmons. And you're like, well, get rid of Ben Simmons. But let me just say, even if that didn't exist, would a package of Bam. Listen, you try to get young players. You're. You're not going to want Kyle Lowry. Jimmy Butler's probably not going to be part of the deal. Even if you were able to get Bam in that deal and you scuttled Ben Simmons, would Bam and Tyler Hero and Max Struess be enough for you if you're Brooklyn? I don't think so. It's better than what Phoenix is giving me. Still. I wouldn't take it. Wouldn't take it. Now let's get to what you were talking about, young Jeffrey. Who does have the most alluring group of players to the Brooklyn Nets front office. Hypothetically, let's talk about New Orleans. The Pelicans have a decision to make with Zion Williamson. Do they sign him to a rookie extension? If they do, and that decision could come in at any moment, then this becomes a little less likely. But if they decide not to, Zion Williamson, in a package that could include Jonas Valanciunas, Herb Jones, obviously Brandon Ingram would be the other player where you'd be like, well, if not Zion, what about Brandon Ingram? Now, would that be a package that might interest you to use the old entourage phrase for Martin Landau?
3: So let's let's start with the Ingram thing
2: before going to Zion. He was talking about NBA trades when he said that. Yeah, I'm pretty right? sure he was. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm.
3: I'm pretty pretty sure about that. If I'm the Nets, Brandon Ingram, Jackson Hayes and four first-round picks that New Orleans, by the way, have over the next three drafts. Mm -hmm. That would be something I'd be willing to listen to. Because Brandon Ingram is basically a lighter version of Kevin Durant, who I think can be a top 15 player in the league over the next three, four years. You would do it for Ingram and not for Zion? I would absolutely consider it. But with Zion, the interesting thing is if you don't give him the rookie extension, there were a lot of ways to get the money to work. I know they just traded a bunch of assets for C.J. McCollum. But if you're the Nets, a package of Zion, McCollum, and maybe two first-round picks, maybe three for Durant, the money works out. I checked that out yesterday. Money works. That yep. would be something I'd be willing to do. Money would Brooklyn. be
2: tougher than the Heat, by the way, also in a Heat trade. Money would be Money's tough. But really to... difficult in Miami, yes. Besides New Orleans. Toronto Scotty Barnes Pascal Siakam Fred Van Vliet Gary Trent Jr. They have all their draft picks some package some combination of those players
3: yeah that could work the other one that I thought of was the Clippers there are players out there that that could work but that would work more for a Kyrie Irving deal than a Durant
2: deal well here's the punchline of all of it and I'm not saying it's going to happen but Zach Lowe said you know what The, the team that actually has the best package in the entire NBA the Golden State Warriors Some combination of Andrew Wiggins, who, by the way, also has the designated rookie extension, so you have to work that out. But some combination of Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, James Wiseman, they got a bunch of first-round picks as well. Could you imagine? I could not, but I'm just throwing it out there. All of this should inform what you bet if you bet on NBA Futures, because I don't think the Suns are the heat or slam dunks at all. Chris Velika on college football next.
1: To start listening,
2: a numbers game with Gil Alexander on v the Sports Betting Network. Numbers Game proudly brought to you by BetMGM. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports, BetMGM, with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Won't take you but a few seconds. Then stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account. Start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada, whatever your sport, whatever your betting style. You're going to love BenMGM state of the art technology and fan friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BenMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. Skill Alexander, Jeff. And just as we're going through that segment, remember I said about New Orleans. If New Orleans decides to extend Zion to a rookie extension deal, then the whole Zion talk goes out the window for New Orleans, and then the only potential package would include Brandon Ingram. And in fact, they have decided to sign him. What are the details?
3: Yeah, the five-year rookie extension up worth up to $231 million, which is a lot of money for a guy who can't stay healthy. Uh, but that wow. does that does change it, obviously. It yeah. Changes the scenario that we just said. And again, if you're the Nets and New Orleans would be the place you could still call. Because Brandon Ingram is still available.
2: Well, yep, Zion would be out of the deal. And, you know, if you're Brooklyn, you have to decide, would that be okay? Brandon Ingram and not Zion Williamson, if you end up talking to New Orleans. Uh, but New Orleans, Toronto, Golden State, it's, it's hard to find packages that, that work. Because as we documented, Phoenix and, and Miami, KD's preferred destinations probably don't. By the way, some other teams that were sort of thrown out there, like, give me a wild card. Scott Van Pelt asked this of, uh, of, of Bobby Marks. He goes, uh, how about the Washington Wizards? By the way, I say this for my friends at the DMV, because we've been through this with KD Returns Home. Remember that a few years back? Some package of uh, poor Zingas and Barton and Morris, now that Bradley Beal has signed the Supermax extension. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But wouldn't that be something? And then teams that, like, no, it just can't happen. New York, there's no way that Brooklyn's going to send KD to the Knicks. And then Memphis, you know, you keep Ja, the money doesn't work out. Like you could send all of your other players over to Brooklyn and it doesn't the 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 salary match doesn't happen. So Memphis would be sort of out of the sweepstakes by, by sort of arithmetic. So it's tough. What were you gonna say, Jeff, anything? No, oh, you were leaning in. All right. Well, the other big story in sports yesterday, and we will get to some season win totals here from Chris momentarily. But obviously had to do with UCLA and USC bolting for the Big Ten as of August of 2024. um, That's going to be the case. A seismic shift in college football. By the way, the migration, to be exact, will begin on August 2nd, 2024 and include all sports except beach volleyball, because I'm told there's no beaches in the Big Ten. Men's volleyball, men's and women's water polo, those are the only exceptions Chris Felica joins us from ESPN College Game Day, Stanford Stephen the Bear podcast, and of course Daily Wager. Chris, how you doing, man?
4: I, I, I'm okay. In my favorite part of all the whole NBA free agency, which by the way, isn't it in trade, isn't it great that like free the starts like July first, like or whatever, June thirtieth at five o'clock, by like six o'clock, everything's done. I, I, it's amazing how that happens. Like in an hour, all this stuff, this stuff comes to fruition. Isn't it, it, it,
2: it a while like that? It's like it's like it's almost as if they've talked before. I, I,
4: know, I, I Imagine that. My, my second favorite thing. and I'm going to give you my, uh, my my radio sports talk call in voice now. It, it's like, well, what does what the Heat give them? Josh McRoberts, Lou day and Harold <laughs> Painter, and two picks. Yes. I think that would enough for Durant. It's like all the ridiculous packages out there. Yeah. I said, yeah, why don't you take my crap and give me Kevin exactly?
2: That, that's the always the funniest thing about this. Is like you realize that they know basketball too, right? They're not taking your crap. You're, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna have to put together something. Uh, that's why, like the Phoenix thing, is like no, they want Devin Booker. Like the the rest of it sounds kind of lame. Um, okay, so. This happens in college football yesterday. And I just wanna I wanna get into to, to where this could go and then we'll get your season wins. But I just want you know, I say that the five best things that ESPN always does. I will say this on the show. Thirty for thirties, college game day right at the top, right? Uh any uh, SVPs, you know, one big thing at the end of every show, consistently great. Anytime Malik is on number four and number five, which I think is the most underrated thing that ESPN has ever done is when you and your college football brethren did the 150 year anniversary docu series, if you will, which I thought was just such a great love letter. To the sport that we all love in college football and the pageantry and the tradition and what it means to Americana, let alone sports. And I'm, and I'm trying to wax prosaically about it because that's how it came across. You guys love college football and it came across the screen and it just gives me chills thinking about it. It was that good. And now we have this, Chris. Doesn't this, like, isn't there a part of you now that's like, and I get it, it, time, it progress is going to happen, there's nothing we can do about it, but I just want to get your sense of how do you feel as a lifelong college football fan after hearing this?
4: I mean, I, I, obviously, I'm, I'm a the and I appreciate the nice words about those, uh, those CFB 150 things. Those were a lot of fun to uh, to research and help work on and be an interview subject, and uh, throw stuff around with a bunch of people. Those were we, we camped about like seven or eight of those round tables, uh in a day, and it was so much fun to to hang and be around everybody. But again, as a traditional, I mean, I obviously don't like it. There's a part of me that loves the traditions of college football and what January first uh, used to mean, and geographically accurate conferences and rivals, and you didn't have unbalanced schedules. But it's it, it, for look, this is going to just be the beginning. I mean, college football fans need to kind of remember what, what they had growing up and in, and in the past, even last decade or so, and now realize that that is, uh, we're, we're, we're changing, and you, whether you like it or not, this is certainly the road that we're headed down.
2: Your colleague and friend Kirk Herbstreet said, by the way, the famous quote that Heather Dinich passed along yesterday was, uh, you know, the Pac 12 got, got, uh, got soonered and horned, I believe was the, uh, was the comment, uh, a reference to, uh, Oklahoma and Texas heading over to the SEC. Kirk believes that there are going to, it's going to end up with two huge basic conferences, right? Like a- akin to the AFC and the NFC for lack of a better term, two huge conferences with like three divisions and 58 teams entirely. Do you believe that's where we're headed?
4: Yeah, I I think it is, and it's probably going to be something that might not even be affiliated with the NCAA anymore. You might might have your own self-governing body, and they'll get involved in things like officiating and NIL and paying players. You might be seeing a situation where maybe players players just get paid uh, a salary, and the NIL stuff becomes like a performance-based bonus where you're allowed to... Uh, get these endorsements and such, because right now it's, and I think and that was the initial intent of NIL, and it's turned into this ridiculous oh. buying players through recruiting, and it's a joke, it's awful. I mean, I mean, if you want to pay a player based on their their, uh, their production and how recognized they are to, to score, that's fine, but what it's become now is it, laughable. But, but yeah, I, I think Kirk is right. You're, you're going to have basically a Big Ten-centric type, AFC for the lack of a better word it's an SEC type centric uh, NFC and you're going to have a couple of divisions within there and, and that's how they'll overcome like the unbalanced schedule type deal where you'll just play your division so uh, again I don't necessarily love it but I mean if that's going to help some of the other issues in the sport right now I mean maybe they find out some of it but, but yeah I, I think yeah, we're definitely headed towards like the uh, even greater has and have not. I mean, it brings it to, like, like what does that mean for a... I'm just going to throw a team out there like Iowa State. Like, is the Big 12 still going to exist? Uh, if it doesn't, like, like Iowa State's a team that's got a pretty solid basketball program, uh, great some some really good Olympic sports, solid football team, but they're not a very marquee-type draw. They're not, they're not a, a TV market. On the other hand, you got a team like Stanford. Like, dude, where do they fit into this? Great academics. Uh, San Francisco Bay Area media market, but not a ton of fan support. Like they would just kind of fit into the Big Ten in terms of like what they want. Like you the Big Ten going to a team like that, but, yeah, even even knowing that the fan support isn't that great, but it fits their academic and their Olympic sport type model. So yeah, we're we're, we're not done. I, I, we'll, we'll see if Notre Dame is the next big one to fall. Like it's funny too because the ACC just released this, like I guess scheduling, like common opponent, like. Two days ago, I'm like, well, what does that mean right now anymore? Either because I mean, I'd be I'd be shocked if the, the SEC didn't like do, or approach Clemson, Miami, and Florida State, and maybe some other schools. Like, hey, why don't you get ahead of the curve and don't be left out? So uh, it, it's just the beginning, but I I think definitely knowing Kirk, the people that he's spoken to are pretty dialed in. And he has a great relationship. So I, I, if he's saying that, I, I would certainly uh, read a lot into it.
2: And in the last 30 seconds on this, the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl, you alluded to, J- to January 1st. Like, what happens with that now?
4: It, 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 it's funny. I think there was a, a quote uh, in uh, Nicole Auerbach's story the athletic, Like, yeah, the Big Ten and the Top 12 always in the Rose Bowl were always kind of blocking the playoff progress. And at the sanctity of the Rose Bowl, and now they basically nuked the Rose Bowl. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in mean, January. The morning of January first, the Rose Bowl is one of my favorite days uh, on, on the calendar, and I'm sure the Rose Bowl will exist, but obviously it's going to be a little bit different now with, with, with the, with the future of
2: the Pac-12. It's fascinating. they changing uh, the, the, the entire landscape right before our eyes, and it. it's uh, it's headed in one direction. Nothing we could do about it. Season win totals, three of them from Chris. Next on a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network. The numbers game with Gil Alexander on Visa, the sports betting network. Back on the numbers game, right here at Visa, the sports betting network. Uh, Gil Alexander, Jeff Parlay is here as well. Chris Felica, kind enough to join us for another segment from uh, ESPN. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Chris F A L L I C. Obviously, we're talking about the uh, the huge shift in the college football landscape that's coming up here in just a couple seasons, and uh, Notre Dame, obviously, the big fish out there, will they go to the SEC? Will they go to the Big Ten? Will they remain, you know, unto themselves? I I do want to say this, Chris. If it it ends up being three, right? If it ends up being the Big Ten, the SEC, and then everyone else – I am proposing the everyone else be called the Fakakta League, and I'm curious if uh, that will play, <laughs> <laughs> if that will play in Lubbock and Stillwater. What do you think? Is that is that going to work out? Yeah. Or no.
4: Yeah, I'll, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up to uh, yeah the to, to management at ESPN, and then we, when they have their big meetings with the other other networks, we'll see if we can get that uh, Please get that license for you.
2: I will never have been prouder if that happens. Uh, all right, so we have <laughs> we we have an underfest. You've been kind enough to come on and, and give us some totals already for the upcoming college football season you have three they are all unders today where would you like to start
4: you know, we're under why 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 shocked there right? I mean, me being, everyone loves their team everyone's going over right yeah not, yeah. not really I, I may as I may as well start with the uh, the conference that was in the news yesterday with the pac 12 and uh in Stanford there their total is four and a half and wow that's gonna be uh hard to win five games isn't it I, I think you you'll look at the all. brutal. and I don't think people realize how bad they were last year. I mean, they were outgained by 149 yards a game, negative 10 in turnover margins. There were only four teams in the country that were outgained by a greater margin than Stanford last year, and those four teams are UConn, UMass, Kansas, and Colorado. Didn't there? And, and that's like, didn't,
2: wasn't their schedule last year entirely comprised of Power Five opponents? Yes. Yeah. Yes,
4: and, and and then the uh, and, and like they, they somehow they beat Oregon and USC and like didn't win like another game uh, after that. But yeah, I, yeah, they got McKee coming back and they got and, and they got a bunch of guys back on the offense. But their offensive line was so bad. Defensively, they've been really bad. The, the the intellectual brutality that made them so great with the big front, like they've got whether it's recruiting or whatever, they've gotten away with that. Uh, and now they're going to try and create this new age-type position and get more athletic, but uh, I don't know if that's going to work uh, with, with the guys they have. They've been pretty predictable. I, I think David Shaw's left a lot of guys off that staff. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think this is a, a staff that you cer- certainly don't want to be holding. and I don't know. If it hasn't already bottomed out, I think he's on the way to bottoming out. and yeah, There's a chance that they may not want to vote in I mean, their their road games are Washington, Oregon, Notre Dame, UCLA, Utah, and Cal. Like, if they get to five and beat me, congratulations.
2: Well, the the big thing just at the glance is they miss Arizona and Colorado, right, from the south. Like, they don't get either of those teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's the that's how it's weighted in that direction. Uh, Meaning, they do have to deal with Utah and USC and Arizona State, UCLA, right? And as you point out, Utah, UCLA, both on the road. So, yeah. Oh four and a half under for the Stanford Cardinal. You mean David Shaw can't coach him away from that? Huh? No. <laughs>
4: I don't think so. Well, how, how, I, mean, I think people, there's like the secret uh, secret group of people that are just wishing that Stanford does go to the Big Ten because they want an annual Shaw versus Sterling, fourth and two from the 41, let's punt. They, they, <laughs> they, want, they want that to be going on oh. an, an annual game like that.
2: All right, David Shaw. And, yeah, and Cardinal, the Cardinal under four and a half on Stanford for all the reasons stated. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: Yeah, and and then uh, the other conference in the news did the, the Big Ten. Uh, Indiana, I was a solid under on last year. They went winless from the Big Ten and were one of the worst teams in the country. And uh, you look at their schedule again this year, and there's a really good chance uh, they may not win another Big Ten game this year. Uh, they, they, there's four and a halves to be had out there uh, as well. It's a team with a uh, quarterback issue, and kind Connor of Bay's lack comes in. Obviously, uh, Parley is familiar with him from his work at Missouri. Uh, it's a team that loses uh, McFadden, who was their best player on the defense last year. The entire front seven is essentially new. Uh, running running back, of all, they still guys are essentially new. And this is a team that, in the COVID year, they won some close games, and people were excited. Oh, they're on the up and up yet. Tom Allen with this love each other and it was great, a great story. And then reality set in last year. And I I think it's gonna be another very rough year for Indiana. Who uh, you got non conference games against Western Kentucky and Cincinnati and certainly neither of those unlocks locks to be one. I mean, they'll probably be a significant underdog uh in Cincinnati. So uh, yeah, I'm under uh, under four and a half in Indiana as
2: well. I'm um, I was I. Uh... I expected you to say that about Stanford. The under. I was a little surprised you said Indiana under. By the way, four and a half is not available everywhere. It's four in most places. Would you still go under at four?
4: Yeah, I would because I, I, I think four is the best case scenario. Uh, yeah, yeah the, the four and a half. Okay, can I say where I found the four and a half, or is that not allowed?
2: No, you're allowed to go ahead. Yeah, say where.
4: where? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah there's four and a half out there at Fanduil. Okay. A little juice to the under, but I, uh, but I, I found it in. Um, how, how I will happily pay. That's the thing with these win totals. Like I will happily pay uh, the extra juice to get a half a game per game if it's so significant. We're only dealing with we games. Yep. So I'd, I'd rather I'd rather lay a little bit more. I don't think the I don't think they're going to get to five. I'd rather pay the extra juice win on four than pay less juice and then push on four. So no, I, that's I, how I them, I
2: yeah. hear you on that. The reason I was a little more surprised with with Indiana is if you you know again we all do the cursory glances of the schedule and try to suss this out. You know, we just talked about how Stanford got all the breaks, uh, or, or, or excuse me, got all the breaks go against them in terms of not having, you know, sort of gimme wins. Indiana, there's no Northwestern. Um, They miss Iowa, Wisconsin, and Minnesota as well, and yet you're still going under, right? They miss East, uh, like, what's it? Yeah, Michi- that's, Michi- that's a net plus. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, that's a net plus. But the fact that they're, they're in
4: the... The fact that they're in the East is what, is what kills. Them. I mean, you're you're playing Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn State, and Maryland's going to be better this year as well. And in Great Channel, I think we'll have Rutgers better this year. Uh, like just where they are is just a bad thing.
2: Okay, and one more here. What do you got?
4: I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna. This is a. I don't love this one as much, but 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 I think seven is a, is a probably a best case type scenario for Utah State. Uh, I think last year was kind of a perfect storm for uh, for the Aggies. Um, a new head coach, a new offense that the league really wasn't very familiar with. Uh, Blake Anderson brought in his quarterback, Logan Bonner, from Arkansas State, and they scored a bunch of points, surprised some people. Uh, but at the, same, at the same time, no team in the country had more, more comeback wins, more wins in games that they trailed at halftime than Utah State, so that doesn't necessarily seem like something that is sustainable. Uh, You're you're looking at a team that even last year, as good as everything went, they still got blown out by Boise State and BYU at home, and now you've got to go to both places this year. You pick up a non-conference game instead of against Washington State, now you've got to go to Tuscaloosa. That's a loss. And as bad as UNLV and Colorado State were last year, those were close wins. Those were four-point and two-point wins. Utah State. So I think there are some reasons here to be a little bit skeptical of Utah State being able to either match what they did last year or improve and exceed a win total. Could they go eight and four and beat me? Sure. Uh, this might be one of those where I'm holding a I'm holding a seven and five type ticket, and, and that's fine. But but I, I'm not as high on Utah State this year, being that the Mountain West kind of got there. First, uh, kind of like a pitcher getting their first look at, first go through the go through the lineup and the order, and now they know what people are are or the other way around. Like the batting order is gets their first go around against the pitcher, and now they know how to how to deal with them. I think that's kind of what the Mountain West will have this year with uh, with Utah State.
2: All right, Stanford under four and a half, Utah State under seven and a half, Indiana under four and a half. The underfest on a Friday. Chris, appreciate it as always, man. Thank you so much. Enjoy the weekend.
4: You are quite welcome. You guys have a great weekend.
2: You too. Chris Felica, everybody. At Chris Felica, F-A-L-L-I-C-A on the Twitter machine. Hey, uh, Jeff, you know what I didn't wish you? A happy Bobby Bonilla Day today. July 1st. Happy DeFerman Day across baseball, yes. Yeah, Bobby Bonilla, who gets $1.193 million today and every July 1st. From 2011 through the year 2035. Remember, he did this uh, because in the year 2000, the Mets agreed to buy out the remaining $5.9 million on his contract with this deal. Instead of paying that $5.9 million at the time, the Mets agreed to make annual payments of nearly $1.2 million for 25 years, from July 1st, 2011, all the way to July 1st of 2035, including a negotiated 8% interest. Remember, at the time, Mets' ownership was heavily invested in Bernie Madoff's shenanigans, as it turned out to be. So they were like, ah, oh, it's a good deal for us. Bonilla, by the way, it should be noted, last played for the Mets at 99, last played the majors for the Cardinals in 2001. But again, he'll be paid through 2035 when he'll be 72 years old. He also has a second deferred contract plan with the Mets uh, and Orioles, paying him $500,000 a year for 25 years. Those payments began in 2004. How about that?
3: There's a lot of fun ones. You know what's a good one right now? Mm. The Nationals starting today for the next six years pay Max Scherzer $15 million a year on July 1st. So the Nats are paying Max Scherzer to pitch for the Mets. Through the Mets year
2: 2028. 20, Others with the deferred contracts, Brett Saberhagen, Manny Ramirez, Ken Griffey Jr., Todd Elton. What a great deal. Come back, who won the NBA yesterday? Next, numbers game Visa. The sports betting now. Network-
4: Key Glazer Podcast.
3: A numbers game with Gil Alexander
2: on VSIN, the sports betting network. Get in the octagon with BetMGM and you can win $200 for a $10 wager on the main event showdown in Las Vegas on July 2nd tomorrow. Just use bonus code vcin 200 and if the champ lands a punch in the fight, you'll receive $200 back in free bets. Simply download the app or go to betmgm.com, then use promo code VSIN200 and bet $10 on the mega fight everyone's been waiting for. If the champ lands a punch in the fight, You'll claim a $200 payday. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wage your new customer. Offer all promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or side credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Gil Alexander, Jeff Parlay is here as well. Um, Just sort of... Going back into the NBA stuff that we were talking about, well, first of all, a couple tennis thoughts. One, again, if you missed it, we had two plays. Again, if you ask me on Twitter at Beating the Book, I'm happy to uh, give you the plays. Julie Niemeyer already hit this morning. Uh, Julie Niemeyer did. And uh, only one left to go, the over in the alcaraz Ote match. That one, I believe, yet to start as well. So um, those are the only two plays. Niemeyer already in with a win this morning. As uh, again, generally speaking, with the daily picks, we're just sort of spinning our wheels here in the first five days of, of Wimbledon, which has been fascinating. And again, the only futures that I had pre-flop, Iga nine to one, which I got the night of Ash Barty's retirement, she was plus one fifty-ish as on the on the eve of the tournament starting. So that was just a number that's way gone. And then Rafa Nadal, I, I took after the draw because the draw I believed was so favorable to him at plus seven twenty-five, figuring well. I think we could see a Djokovic-Nadal final. Do I expect him to beat Djokovic? No, but that's why it's plus 725, but I'd love to have that number that day. Um, And uh, so far, that's what it looks like. Anyway, Djokovic is murdering everybody in front of him. I did think about, by the way, he bageled uh, Miramir Kikmanovic here in the first set. So he's up a set on Kikmanovic. He will play, if Djokovic uh, advances here, he'll play Tim Van Reithhoven who I looked at yesterday, Jeff, and I was like, he's 80-1. to 1. Tim Ramrethoven, again, for people who don't know, is a player who won a grass court tournament in the Netherlands, his home country, a couple weeks ago. We talked about it here on the show. He had played, I believe, entirely in his career in like nine tour-level matches in his entire life, and he goes and wins a grass court tournament and beats along the way Oger Asim. Medvedev in the final, Taylor Fritz along the way, and you're like, how is this possible? I'm, uh, we only have one planet, right? Earth. We don't know of any tennis players anywhere else. Correct, Jeff? Am I right am in that? We know? We don't. Okay. So he's, he's walking this earth, and he can essentially come out of nowhere and do that. I didn't pull the trigger on it. He does have Djokovic, but I will tell you this. If he somehow, and he's a serve bot, so anything that happens, if he beats Djokovic, all bets are off. And if he, no, I just don't want to go there. I was about to say, it. if he wins Wimbledon, we should just all we should just all hang it up. I did take an eighty to one flyer on Kinwin Zhang on the on the ladies' side, just to have it. I'm all about Iga, Iga, who won her thirty seventh consecutive match yesterday. Did drop a set. That was newsworthy. She's won fifty six of her last fifty nine sets. Lost, uh, dropped one yesterday. But, you know, again, as I've said from the beginning with Ega on the grass, way more confident in the U.S. Open on hard courts. Grass, eh, she's never won a grass tournament, so you never know. Hope Ega gets home, but just let you know I added that. Uh, All right, back to the NBA then for a second. We talked about how the uh, odds shifted very quickly, both on futures towards the Suns, now as the short shot, and the Miami Heat into single digits because those are the two two preferred destinations of Kevin Durant. But we went through it extensively the first couple segments of this show as to why that probably, I don't know if it works out trade-wise for the Brooklyn Nets, for all the reasons that we stated. And there was also some markets about what will KD's next team be, and the Suns and the Heat were the short shots. And I don't think sportsbooks understood the implications of whether those trades would work out or not. You don't find those up anymore. They were up briefly. So just so I want to get to, Jeff, the question of what, what team won yesterday and, and did it move the needle for you on future's odds? But before, before that, just a couple more observations. One, which is imagine a couple scenarios. One, had Devin Booker not been signed to the Superbacks and had he been part of a deal, just work with me, you would have had Simmons and Booker on the same team, both of whom had Kendall Jenner as a girlfriend. That would have been awkward. And then all this talk about Kyrie going to the Lakers in a Westbrook deal. Could you imagine a team with Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook on, this, on the same, the brick fest that that would be? So, so as uh, <laughs> oh uh, my, my, my good God. friend
3: Alex Schiffer, who covers the Nets yes. for the Athletic, I, I talked to him last night. He basically said not only – John Wooden couldn't even create an offense <laughs> that right. could salvage a Westbrook and Simmons oh combination God. on the court. God, That's that how be, bad that would be if that, that somehow would happened.
2: Be horrific. be horrific. You just think about it. This is all Kyrie's doing. All of this. Oh, 100%. Yes. All of this is yes. Kyrie's doing. And, again, I'm not making a political statement here. Okay, let me just preface it by saying it this. But this is just a fact. That this past NBA season can come down, if you really want to put it through one lens, can come down to the fact that one dude decided not to get a vaccine and another dude did. And what I'm talking about is Kyrie Irving decided, I'm not getting vaccinated, didn't play all those games at home for Brooklyn. I get it, stupid rule, but those were the rules at the time. That team just didn't have enough reps with each other, ends up getting swept in the, in the postseason by the Celtics. He decided, I'm not getting the vaccination, and those were the ramifications. Meanwhile, to quote the great Ron Flatter, meanwhile, Andrew Wiggins out in Golden State didn't want to get the vaccine either. But you know what he did? Because he wouldn't have been able to play at home either. You know what he did? He got it for the team. Who was like the key player besides Steph Curry? In the postseason for the Warriors, Andrew Wiggins, there's your NBA season in a nutshell. It's not a political statement. It's just a fact. All that said, Jeff, and KD just sort of dominated the news yesterday. Once he decided he wanted to get traded, it was like everything else was secondary. But beyond KD, who won yesterday? Sixers got their man in P.J. Tucker. After Joe Embiid talked him up in most of the most bizarre fashion this entire, oh, P.J. Tucker's so good. They got P.J. Tucker. The Bucks re-signed Bobby Portis, given some of the other contracts out there. Portis, four years, $49 million. What a steal. Everettie Simons got a four-year, $100 million contract. What is happening? Star of Tankapalooza, Everettie Simons. And they also got Joe Ingles coming off the injury previously with the Jazz. Did the Bucks win yesterday? Did the Bucks move the needle for you?
3: They, stay, they stayed the same with getting Portis back. That was a big re-sign for them. The biggest winners for me yesterday, Gil, are the young players getting these gigantic supermats. It's incredible. Ja, Jokic getting the biggest contract in league history. Yeah, but those you understand. Of course, Carl Anthony Towns Booker, but still that's like... That's a big deal for those guys. I look, no, no one really moves the needle from a betting perspective. This
2: is not even the Bucks.
3: They they were to me the team yeah. that I would if you make me pick today, I would be picking them to win the title next year. And I would have done that even before this all started. So that didn't really change much. All this is really on hold until we see where Durant goes for me.
2: Anthony Simon's four years, a hundred million. How about how about the Knicks? I get it. Jalen Brunson had this great postseason with the Mavericks, especially in in Luka's absence. But do you find their obsession with him and the four-year, $100 million-plus deal that he got a little over the top?
3: It just better not be their last move, that's all.
2: I mean, he deserved it, right? He played great, but, like, not that that the Nets would have traded Durant to them anyway, but the notion that that wasn't... (laughs) Like wasn't even on the radar. We must get Jalen Brunson. And then how about because I was on a radio in DC with Reese Waters a few days back, and he asked me about Bradley Beal and the Wizards, and he was like, "Should they should they sign him to the Supermax, Bradley Beal?" And my comment to him, as someone who has left DC, Maryland, Virginia, was like, "I'll tell you what the sort of conventional wisdom is outside of the Beltway, which is." What does it say about Bradley Beal, who by all accounts is a great dude, obviously a great player, who just is willing to play on a team in oblivion for his entire career? I mean, I think that's a fair question to ask. Bradley Beal signs the Supermax with the Washington Wizards, and so, awesome. Great. Great. I mean, the Wizards. Would you pick them to make the playoffs at this? I mean, play in max, right? Probably. Maybe an eight seed. Maybe. I mean, they got players. That's, by the way, they have a they have a luxury tax. Just want to say that about the Wizards. So there's a lot of teams that are like well below it and suck. The Wizards suck and have to pay a tax. What does that say about that franchise? It's just the Wizards, uh, anyway, stepchild of the NBA. I don't know, Bucks good deal yesterday with Portis and Ingles. Um, We'll see where KD goes. But as I said earlier, Suns and Heat hardly a slam dunk. Jason Weingarten from under a cloud of smoke. Major League Baseball next.
0: MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level –